Christmas season, I'm reminded of, of my, one of my first experiences with waiting for Christmas to come. You remember those days when you were a little kid and it seemed like Christmas would never get here? But, but it wasn't just waiting for Christmas for me. I've told you before, my dad was a postman. And he normally went into, the, went into work about 6 and got off about 3. But at this time of the year, he got off a lot later. Because you see, back then, way back in the dark ages when I was a kid, the, if you wanted to send something to somebody at Christmas time, you didn't have FedEx or UPS or any of those ways. You sent it via the U.S. post office. And so he, he, had to, he had to deliver a lot more Christmas cards and packages and all that kind of stuff, and it, it took a lot longer. So instead of getting off at 3, he would work until 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 o'clock or longer some nights. And that was, that, that was not fun, but especially on Christmas Eve when we were finally going to get to open some of those presents. And it just seemed like he would never get home, and the wait was just excruciating waiting for him to come home. But there are other things that I had to wait for. I remember my, I have two older brothers, and the one closest to me is four years older, so they would go to school for years before I would get to go. And I remember every fall they would head off to school, and I would beg my mother, let me just go with them. I'll come right back as soon as I get there. She said, no, you have to wait until it's time. And I thought that would never come. Or a little later, I was a teenager, and I was waiting for the time I could get my driver's license, that passport to freedom for a teenage boy, or, or waiting, to get, waiting to get out of high school so I could go to college and be on my own, or waiting to get out of college so I could get my life going, or waiting. And it just seems like we're always waiting for something, something that really matters. Have you noticed? Well, the, the scene, the setting... For Zechariah's song is one of waiting. Zechariah knows about waiting. See, for 400 years, the nation of Israel had waited to hear from God. They, they had been accustomed to hearing from God. There was, there was always a prophet or a priest or someone who was bringing a word from the Lord. But then it just kind of all stopped. And they were wondering, why is God not speaking to us? Why is God not communicating with us? And, and furthermore, after 400 years, they're wondering, is, is the Messiah really going to come? Well, they were wondering, and they were starting to kind of lose hope about this redemption that the promised Messiah would bring. They'd waited for it so long. And, and so let's look at what happens. It's how Luke opens his gospel. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 5, the very first story in, in Luke's gospel. When, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Zechariah is a priest there in Israel. Now, at, at that time, the, the scholars tell us there's probably about 18,000 priests in Israel. 
It's a lot. They didn't all live there in Jerusalem. I mean, they'd been overrun with the city, but they they lived in the surrounding countryside in towns and villages around. And, And what they would do is they would come in to Jerusalem for about a week, two times each year when it was their time to serve there at the temple. And the rest of the time they would live in wherever they were. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in in one of these little towns, and they lived a very public life. But they also lived a life that had a cloud hanging over it. Because, I mean, it's hard to not have a child when you want a child so badly. It's hard, so hard today. But if possible, it was even worse back then because they perceived not having children as the lack of a blessing from God. And here's this man of God, this somebody somebody's supposed to be respected, and yet God has never given him a child. And, and, and everybody kind of wonders what's going on with that. And so it, it's important here that, that this phrase, they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. It, it, Luke wants to communicate something to us. They, they were not just anybody. They weren't just run-of-the-mill people. These were good people. These were believing people. These were people who trusted in God. These were fully devoted followers. And then Luke tells us, not only did they not have any kids, but just to emphasize it, he says, and they were, they were very old. Kind of, kind of reminds you of Abraham and Isaac, doesn't it? Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting so very, very long and still hadn't received that for which their heart longed. So look at verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. His group of priests, it was their turn. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Okay, this is another situation where Zechariah has experienced significant waiting. You see, if you have 18,000 priests and you're only going to come in once or twice a year, the odds of you being the one to go into the sanctuary and burn the incense and say the prayers for the redemption of the nation of Israel were pretty slim And so what they did, they didn't just sign up. They had kind of a lottery, kind of a drawing, okay? It was was the way they chose. Okay, it's your turn. And Zechariah had never had a turn in there. We know that because once somebody was chosen, their name was taken out of the mix because, after all, everybody else needed to get a chance to do it. So we know that Zechariah, who is very old, 60, 70, maybe 80 years old, has waited all of his life as a priest to have this time of service. And he's finally chosen. And he's getting ready to go in, this this culmination of his priestly career. And uh, Zechariah never has done this before, obviously. But he certainly knows what to expect when he goes into the sanctuary. 
I mean, he's talked to the other priests that have done it. They've told him, you know, where things are and how you do this and, 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 and all the stuff. He knows, I mean, he's read the manual. He's taken the test over it. He's got it down cold. He knows exactly what to do. So it's really a surprise when he goes inside and lo and behold, there's an angel right there. He goes, whoa, nobody told me about the angel. You know, what's, what's the angel doing here? And he gets out his smartphone and he Googles altar of incense, an angel, and nothing comes up. And so he's, he's a little stunned. He's a little shocked. So look at verse 11. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Does that remind you of the encounter with, with uh, Gabriel and Mary we talked about last week? I mean, you see an angel, whoa, that's, gonna, that's really something. And Gabriel understands that. And he says, it's okay. Don't be afraid. It's all going to be okay. But the angel said, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you're to name him John. You'll have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Very much like what we saw last week. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a child. Zechariah, the wait is almost over, he said. God's heard your prayer. He's going to grant you a child, the son you've so desperately wanted and, and waited for so long. Now, stop and think about this for just a minute, okay? Zechariah is way past the age of having children. And for Elizabeth, the change of life is something that happened some years ago, okay? And, and, and when that occurs, you, you, you kind of adjust your expectation. You shift your way of thinking. And it wasn't that they didn't still want it, but okay, let's, let's face reality here. Let's deal with the, with the facts. It's, it's just for whatever reason, it's not going to happen. And they had, they had sort of resolved themselves to living their life, serving God, worshiping him, being faithful, loving each other, but knowing they weren't going to have a child. And then suddenly, out of the blue, I mean, at their age, somebody tells them they're going to have a child. Not only that, not only are they going to have a child, the angel tells them he's hit the jackpot of children. This is going to be one of the greatest leaders Israel has ever known. Kind of like Elijah. Look, look at verse 15. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He'll cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Oh, <laughs> Zechariah, it's not just you and the wife that are going to be really glad about this. Lots of people are because he's going to do amazing things. He's going to call people back to God. He's going to be set apart from this purpose. He's going to be filled with the Spirit from before he's even born. And, and it, he's going to make a powerful impact on Israel. Wow. Talk about hitting the Powerball lottery. Of children. That's, the, that's a child worth waiting for, isn't it? 
but it's still a little hard for Zechariah to get a grip on. I mean, when you've been living that way so long and, and expecting it's really never going to change now, it's, it's, that's an adjustment. So he asked the obvious question. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? And then he states the obvious, I'm an old man now. And my wife is also well along in years. He was wise enough not to call his wife old, guys, okay? (laughs) But she was well along in years. I mean, you know, he's saying, really? Now? When I should be at least a grandfather, if not a great-grandfather, now God gives us a child? Well, the angel seems to understand the difficulty Zechariah is having adjusting to this new idea, and he responds to Zechariah's question in a relatively gentle way. He says, okay, (laughs) listen, Zechariah, hear me now. Maybe you didn't catch the name. Gabriel, you know, the guy that stands right there in the presence of God. In fact, God was the one who sent me to tell you you're going to have a child. But I get that it's kind of hard for you to swallow this. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Just to help you out here, I'm going to give you a sign. And the sign is this. You're not going to be able to speak until the kid comes. Probably... Not Zechariah's first choice for a sign. You know, if he was picking, he probably would have picked something else. But this is the sign that Gabriel gives him. And sure enough, when Zechariah leaves the temple, he can't say a word. They've been wondering what was going on because he's taking a lot longer than it normally takes. But when he comes out, he doesn't say anything because he can't say anything. He's, he, obviously, something has happened there in the temple. He's, he's gesturing, and he's, you know, but he can't speak, so they really don't know what happened. But, but they realize there's been some, some interaction with God or God's messenger. And man, the... the the texts and the emails and the, all that stuff really starts lighting up. I mean, the tabloids are filled with, you know, priest does something mysterious, probably made the cover of People magazine. But then nothing else happens. I mean, it just, it just sort of fades away. And people, as we do, when there's not something new and exciting, we sort of go on to something else. And Zechariah goes on home after his, after his week is done. And he gets to wait some more. Because Elizabeth conceives a child. And he has nine months to wait and to listen and to think because he can't talk. And apparently, apparently this time of silence, this time of waiting does something to Zechariah's heart, something really, really significant. So what are you waiting for right now? I don't know what you're waiting for, but most of us are waiting for something. 
Maybe you're waiting for somebody to love. That, that person to have that, that kind of relationship with that's going to be the one you've longed for. That's going to be that, that wonderful, incredible bond that develops between the two of you and last a lifetime. But right now you're waiting. Or, or maybe it's, uh, maybe you're waiting for some clarity about your life's direction. There's so many choices, so many ways you could go, so many different things, so many decisions to make, and you just, man, it's, it's just a little too much. It's kind of overwhelming, and you're just, you're trying to wait to understand where God's leading you. Or maybe, maybe you're on into your life, and you're waiting for, uh, waiting for a job. You had one that went away. And at first you go, okay, it's okay. We're going to be all right. You know, God's going to provide for us. But then weeks turned into months and longer. And you're starting to wonder, is there something that's actually going to come? I mean, I really want to trust in God, but boy, waiting is getting harder and harder. Or maybe, maybe you're... uh, Maybe like Elizabeth and Zechariah, maybe you're waiting for a child. You so want a child for you and your spouse to kind of complete that family, to, 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 to have that experience, to have that, that life to shape and to nurture and to love. And you've prayed that God would grant you that and you've, you've done everything you know to do. And you still have no child, no one coming. You wonder like, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, is it ever going to happen? Or maybe, maybe you've had a child and you loved that child more than life itself and you nurtured and cared for and, and brought that child up and, and then there was this big blow up and they left and they're gone and you're waiting on them to come back home. And you, you know, you always knew they needed your care and your guidance, your love. But you never realized until now how much you need them and you need that relationship. And you're waiting and hoping and you don't know if it'll happen. Or maybe you're waiting for healing in a marriage that's broken and it's just killing you. You know, it used to be so wonderful. It was so, so peaceful. It just, there was just such a sense of security and hope and love. And, and now all it is is just pain, anguish. And you, and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to fix it. And you're waiting, hoping hoping it can be put back together. Or maybe you're waiting for an illness to pass. I mean, your body has been racked with this for so long and you've tried and tried and tried and nothing seems to work. Nobody seems to have any help. Or maybe maybe it's not your physical situation. Maybe you're waiting for deep anxiety to go away. 
This sense of doom is just pushing you down, down in this black pit. And, and it, it is so heavy. It weighs so much. You just, you just don't feel like you can get out. And not, I mean, it's gotten so bad, sometimes you don't even think you can breathe. And you're waiting and hoping, wondering if it's ever going to end. How long is it going to be? How long are we going to wait? That's what Zechariah was wondering. How long? I don't know how long. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know what God's going to do. But I do know this. I do know that what matters is not so much how long I have to wait, but who I become while I'm waiting. That I respond to this time of waiting the way Zechariah did by allowing God to work on my heart and enable me to see him in the waiting. You see, the real question is not how long am I going to have to wait. The real question is not am I going to get the things that I want. Am I going to have everything that I hoped for and dreamed for? Because I can tell you the answer to that. It's no, not in this lifetime, not in this world. The real question is what kind of person am I going to become while I'm waiting for God. Will I wait with patience and trust that God will provide? Well, we don't hear anything else for the nine months of Elizabeth's pregnancy until way down at the end of chapter, verse 57. When it's time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Everybody was, man, is there any time that's happier than when a child is born? And, of course, they did what everybody does today when a child is born. What are you going to name the kid? Let's name the kid. And everybody knows they're going to name the kid Zechariah because in those days when a firstborn son was born, you always either named the baby after the father or someone in the father's lineage. And so they just knew what it was going to be until Elizabeth says, no, we're going to name him John. What? You can't do that. There's nobody in your family named John. Yeah, that's what we're going to name and they, they argue with her. And this, this, this is not right. So they go to Zechariah, who still can't talk, and they ask him, and he gets a tablet, and he writes down, his name is John. And then God delivers on the promise the angel had made. Verse 64, instantly Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. The waiting is over. You see, there's always a story behind the song. And these nine months, in this silence, God has brought about a fresh state of spiritual health in the life of Zechariah. And when he can finally speak, he cannot restrain himself. He just unleashes this torrent of praise to God. And I, and I, and I think maybe that's why Luke starts his gospel with this story. Did you realize that there are more references to praising God in the gospel of Luke than in all the rest of the books of the New Testament combined? That's, that's his theme. That's his, that's his focus, praising God. Why do you think there's all these songs of praise at the beginning of Luke's gospel? 
And Zechariah opens up, verse 67. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. And he started, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's visited and redeemed the people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we'll be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He's been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell the people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Hallelujah, praise God. The waiting is over. So, here's the question for us today. As you wait, whatever it is you're waiting for, whatever is that that hope, that prayer on your heart constantly, that longing in your soul, as you wait, what is God doing in your life, in your heart, the way he did in Zechariah's heart? Maybe you were in that, that time of waiting where you're, you're waiting for God to speak. There's this deafening silence. You long to understand what's going on. Or maybe you're in that period where you can't speak. You just can't talk about it. Right now, not right now. Or maybe you've seen, you've seen what's going to happen. And you're really struggling to accept it. I mean, the events of these past few days have have powerfully reminded us, as Greg said, of the brokenness of our world. And we long for that time when God will come and redeem us and rescue us and make all the evil go away. But now we're waiting for that to come. We're in waiting mode. And sometimes we can't give voice like Zechariah couldn't for nine months to the song our hearts long to sing. But one day we will. Reminded of an old preacher 50, 60 years ago named William Sangster. He was leading a spiritual renewal movement over in, in Great Britain after the Second World War. And then he contracted a disease that slowly, gradually, inexorably began to paralyze him. He couldn't walk and then he couldn't move. And finally it got his vocal cords and the only ministry he had left was the ministry of prayer. On the last Easter Sunday before he died, with great effort and tremendous pain, he got a pen and paper and he wrote these words to his daughter. He said, how terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout. But how far worse to have a voice and not want to shout. God has given us a voice 
to praise him. As we wait, as we hurt, and as we receive his incredible blessings. And I pray that we'll do that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 